What's up, guys? This is Jared Weeks from Saving Able, and you, my friends, are listening to Verbal Shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I know what you were thinking. You were thinking they're going to go another month or a couple, couple, three or four weeks without an episode. I know you're coming off of that Halloween episode. You're like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. I'm so I got my spine is hurting. I'm 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 cold. I'm uh, I, I can't turn the lights off in my house. I'm, I'm, I'm worried. But we are back for two weeks in a row we're back on schedule mike that's a round of applause for us we are we are here we're here not for anybody else everybody else is like we like the month thing we like the month thing you fooled us once we listened and you're like oh we're back maybe this one's good uh we'll wait another month but we're back yeah we're like that athlete that came off like a, a pretty decent injury and uh-huh. you're like oh you're gonna play like six games in a row it's like well no i'm gonna you know, take it easy, make a small little thing here, maybe take a couple days off. And but you know what? The ACL is healing for verbal shenanigans, and we're ready to go full press into the new year. Uh, we are. We uh, are. We're we are coming off uh honestly one of my favorite episodes in a while, the Halloween. I think I called it the extravaganza this year. Yeah, you were super stoked for that Halloween special. Like you were like a little backstory for our audience. Like mm-hmm. when we recorded the one for Gregovola, the one before he he created yep. the Untapped app. Yep. I remember you're like, would it be too quick if we put up an episode on Monday? I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, you didn't give it any time to breathe. And I'm, yep, but, yep. but I I really want to do Halloween. And yep, and I had to basically convince you. I'm like, just call it like Brazilian Halloween. Say they. <laughs> They do it like three weeks later or something uh, to that effect. Listen, we historically as a podcast coming up on 10 years in, in three months, we're at 10 years of doing this podcast. Mm. Um, historically, almost every year we've focused on, we have two episodes that are kind of fun and yeah, two out of the 52 episodes or so we put out a year are fun and um, kind of a tradition. And I am a tradition guy. I am very much um i like traditions around the holidays i like traditions like oh once a year we go and do this we do so when when it was a chance that the halloween episode wasn't going to happen i was like i'm letting my fans down aka myself you and like harry and dom you know like our, our four fans and uh groovy joe yeah yes okay five we got we got a solid five but i did five, get some nice I get I got some nice feedback on the episode. Uh, people Ooh. said they love the AI bit. Um, they found it really interesting on what AI um, was creating. Um, I got props on my my DMX performance. Um, people said uh, I really sold it as DMX, which is ironic. I didn't did not try it beforehand. So you got my first raw edition. So maybe Damn. maybe I host a podcast as DMX from now on. Yeah, I, I feel we're we're missing that element in life, and 
I, I feel the only way we can bring back DMX is through a middle-aged white father. <laughs> that, that, when I think DMX, yeah, yeah. I stare at you, Scott, and I'm like, oh, my God, how did his soul come into your body? I don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, like, when I when I was thinking, like, oh, we're not going to do it, it, it almost felt like, okay, we had a couple weeks where I couldn't get an episode out. Things are busy. Things are falling apart. Like, just a lot of, not falling apart. There was just life in the way. And then I couldn't get the Halloween episode. I was kind of disappointed. The, the Halloween episode has reinvigorated me to really to really put out some more episodes here you know the fans are like oh my god best episode ever what what and i was like all right i got you i i got you so you know you you take that momentum we'll it'll push us to christmas we'll have the big christmas special and then new year's happens when we do like the verbies mm-hmm. and our celebrity brackets okay okay let me rephrase okay let me go back at you you told me i'm excited okay. for the halloween episode if new year's came after new year and we didn't do the dead celebrity pool you'd be a little like oh man like that's our that's our that's our bracket. We talk every time someone dies, we go another one in the bracket, another one in the bracket. So if we didn't do that, would you feel like a little disappointed? Well, I would always have it in the back pocket. So when you're like, you got anything this week? Uh-huh. Yeah. When it's, Dead celebrities. When, it's, when it's September of the next year, celebrities yeah. that die. <laughs> <laughs> There's always one week I'm like, ah, and it's either that or erotic fan fiction. So you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, whatever. Guilty as charged. I, I like a little bit of tradition here. I thought the Halloween episode came out great. I don't know what to tell you, Mike. Um, All I can tell you is you should have brushed up on your Mary Lou Maloney beforehand. Oh, it's your own that. fault. Screw that bitch. Um, yeah. I, she's going to get an ice cream cone and get you, Scott. Yeah. Warning you. Yeah. Anybody who knows who he's referring to, just email him and say, I know who the hell he's referring to, and you can get a free shirt because no one knows who Mary Lou Maloney is. That sounds like one of my dad's classmates from the 50s. <laughs> you know, before I met your mom, me and Mary Lou Maloney were oh. we were we were hot to trot. Man, we were in the back of Chevelle, man. You, oh. yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were on Make Out Hill. You know what happens there, Scotty. <laughs> we were on the Overlook to Bayonne High School, and boy, oh boy. Let me tell you, Mary Lou Maloney, Scotty, and then I met your mom, Mary Lou Maloney, who, and then I met your mom, who also happened to be Mary Lou. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God, she had the features, you know. Yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I got to, um, I get to do something else this weekend that I haven't tried in a while. Um, I got to do some play-by-play on a um, uh, high school soccer state championship game. Ooh. Who were the yeah, opponents? The, it was, uh, what was ironic was it was my alma mater, which I don't care about at all. I actually hate that word. I hate when people are like, it's my alma mater. I'm like, it's this, it's the building you went to for four years because your parents yeah. didn't want you home. That, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's a high school. Yeah. I don't, I don't sit there and look like, do you look fondly at your high school? Like, are you like, Oh man, that's the days of the Chiefs or whatever your stupid mascot. Uh, we were the Vikings, the South Brunswick Vikings. Well, uh, yeah, I almost said Vikings. Oh, <laughs> um, we were the Patriots. So, um, you know, I played soccer there. I enjoyed that part of high school, but no part. I, I enjoyed 
being in high school age with my friends, but I don't look back at my high school. Like I'm so proud of my school. Like, let's go back like blue, gold, blue, gold, rah, 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 Scott, you know, Scott, don't lie to the audience. I, I know well known that you went back to your school. You had your old, you know, uh, jacket on there, you know, with uh, the your numbers, the white sleeves. Nope, nope. You were just staring at you were at the goalposts. And one last moment, you put one finger in the air to reminisce about the big day game during yeah. your high school years and all. And in the background, somebody was singing. And I remember. Ironically, I think the guy you're describing, it was my college roommate from oh, yeah. who also went to my high school. So like we ruined <laughs> together and he played football. If you looked at this guy, you're like, okay, you played football. He's like five, six, like, overweight you know and i think he had like a big game his senior year and i swear to god he won like um most uh school spirited in the yearbook and uh, i swear the guy that that guy showed up in a varsity jacket like everywhere you know like first off varsity jackets are a pretty terrible purchase because if you wear them after high school you are the biggest like the day you graduate you have to throw that into the trash can mm -hmm. like the day you graduate, it has to go in the fire pit, the trash can, a memory box, because if you are the guy wearing that, that says like, uh, you know, color guard and football, anything, it doesn't matter what thing you got your varsity letter in, it goes in the trash or the memory box upstairs. You wear that, you are a loser. No, you go on your first date, you know, you go on a blind date wearing that. That's how you impress a check, my friend, and all that is a good he one. He sees that, and she's like, "This man was a winner four years ago, so no doubt he's going to be a larger winner if I stay with him." Just a blind date show where you could put people in different outfits, even just that, <laughs> like first impressions. You know, like yeah, <laughs> that could be the name of the show, first impression, and just putting someone in a varsity. Imagine meeting a girl in mm -hmm. your thirties, forties, whatever it is. And you're wearing a varsity jacket, the look mm. you're going to get or the thoughts going through her head. Yeah. But you play it cool. You don't you don't try to like you don't even have to act into the no. character. You just have a good time, but you're wearing your Colonia High School varsity letter jacket with the gold sleeves. <laughs> you know, it's probably a little tighter <laughs> than it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't even like point it out. Like let's say it's in like track and field. You just like champ. Yeah, you know, I got to work. I had to run really fast to do some errands. You <laughs> yeah, know. You just I mean, I, I don't want to brag how fast it was, but, you know, I mean, I, I forget how fast I used yeah, to yeah. run. What's that? Yeah, you, uh, you're you just talking about, like, you know, I, I realize in life it hands you a lot of hurdles. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to leap over them. Uh, yeah. Other you, times you got to pole vault over them, like in 1999 when. The record was set in New Jersey. Now, I'm not sure who did it, but. What well, you like, you're done with dinner. You're like, you're done with that plate and you just flip the plate like a discus at the waiter. <laughs> it's like, whoa, is, that was almost like 94. Listen, listen, girl, life gets heavy sometimes. You got to just throw those problems away like a shot put, you know, like. Uh -huh. you gotta... <laughs> I mean, but sometimes you have problems in life and you got to wrestle with them or as I would say, Greco wrestle them, yeah. you know, that's how I talk. I did. Uh, I did track for one year, one year, freshman year, you know, just to like be involved in something in the spring. And um, I don't know if it was just 
that our high school had the shortest shorts of all time or they were just the shorts from like 1971 that they just kept passing down mm-hmm. but all track was for me was like trying to hit on girls because a lot of girls ran track mm-hmm. striking out left and right and then me and this kid billy who was like a musician i don't even know why he was in track just making jokes about our dongs falling out of the shorts that's all we did that was track for me and then trying the pole vault have you ever tried the pole vault what an insane stupid idea that is basically impossible i think i think 150 human beings can do the pole vault yeah that it, it's very less than a thousand well i'll put it that way like i know there's been probably if you calculate every pole vaulter in the olympics it's probably like somewhere in the 500 range but sure i i think some people just got recycled and they gave them a new name to think the world has obtained more pole vaulters dude you grab the pole they're like okay now also a um, little back on our high school at the time the track was condemned you weren't allowed to host track meets there because there was um like roots growing through the track <laughs> and like so every track meet had to be away uh-huh. but Yet you were able to practice at your own track, so that was okay. But you, <laughs> you, you couldn't host other people. I guess the liability would be other schools coming. But you know, I'm like, but like, did your pole like go through? You like you tried to hit your spot and hit like a sinkhole, and you just went like further lower than you tried to jump. <laughs> I remember they're like, okay, all you do is you you put your top hand on, you hold this grip, this grip. And then you jet, you run as fast as you can, mm-hmm. and you jam this 20-foot pole or whatever, this 15-foot pole, into, like, something that will stop you. And then you just pull back on it, and you go. And I would just be like, duh, 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 crap. like never, I, I would never get to the liftoff phase of that at all. I would just be like, pull a crack and fly out the back of my hands. Like, <laughs> whoever... Whoever can do that is wizard, um, and usually a lot smaller than me. Like usually they're like light and like very like uh, lanky people. Like I was lanky in high school, but I wasn't like really tiny. You were lanky, to, and you were hitting on girls in your short shorts. I like that. Yeah, where the dong would fall out. Yeah. Hey, baby. Like, I. Just, you want to touch my pole? It's gonna get jammed in a hole. You know what I mean? If you if you like that, look what's falling out of my shorts. Then I would do um then I attempted the high jump. That was another event I attempted, which is another stupid event. What a dumb event. Run as fast as you can forward and then turn yourself sideways and jump over some high hall. And, and I would get whatever. Maybe I could do like six feet, something like that. I don't know. Whatever, like nose level was like where my head was and i'm I'm six foot decent but nothing that's gonna get you and i would get over it zero form like i think i would have a better chance so i ran straight and dove did the dive approach but then you would get these kids they would just do it and they would just take off and fly over the pole and you're like oh my god then i tried the long jump i remember you remember in like high school like one of the things was a standing or long jump where you okay. just stood and you just jumped as far as you could. Yeah. And I was really good at that. I was like, oh, man, I got like seven feet, whatever. I don't know, whatever. So then I do the try the running long jump. And I run and you take the leap. And then maybe I got, I, 
I'm I'm trying not to exaggerate. Maybe I got 13 feet. I don't know. Maybe Ooh. that sound. Maybe that sounds right. Do you like bragging here? Is this our first date? What the hell? I don't know. And then, <laughs> oh, you want the you want the pepper? Hold on for a sec. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I swear to God, this this kid straight from Africa. His family had like eight kids in the school. Mm-hmm. Um, their last name was eBay. His name was Chinadu eBay. So he I do my the site. Yeah, 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 no, but it was. I think it was with I. Ah, so. that's the bargain site freak athlete freak athlete like just like fast and strong and like muscular you don't even know what muscular means in like ninth grade you're like what the hell is that thing that i'm going to the same building as and so i do my 13 i'm like yeah i got it i swear to god this kid just like leaped and i saw like where my mark was and him just like floating over it for like another seven feet and i'm like i'll never be good at this like uh, he's in the uh, air yeah. and he's just like staring at your spot as he's just zooming by you yeah like his dong is dragging in the sand through yeah. my line yeah <laughs> meanwhile you're trying to pick up girls with yeah. like that could have been mine <laughs> uh years later though i did end up getting him back which is this is kind of a funny story getting him back in my head um so I, I went to Ramapo College in New Jersey, and it's a D three school, um, but they had a pretty good basketball program. So the ba- and a really nice facility. So the basketball games were actually like really fun. Um, I think they've had a couple tournaments here and there. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, uh, so we, you know, we do what college kids do. We get all liquored up and go to the basketball game. Um, they happen to be playing. I think it was Rutgers. Um, Newark or Rutgers camp, one of one of the offshoots Rutgers site. Yeah. And sure enough, on the court is Chinadu eBay. Ooh. Just killing Ramapo. Just just getting boards, throwing layups back up. So he gets fouled a lot. And then I recognize him somehow. And I just start a chant in the crowd going, Chinadu. So the whole like student section starts to be like, do, do, and he starts like bricking shots here. In my mind, he did. He probably made like nine <laughs> out of ten. But I know there was one brick in there that I was like, yes, I'm affecting the team. I'm part of the team. And they won a game. And I remember like the fans stormed the court and I tripped and I ended up getting trampled, uh, like getting hit by like, at least four or five kids like good, 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 like getting trampled. And I'm not a small guy. And there I am just getting pummeled by Ramapo Faithful, which is like D3 basketball, because I started the Chinadu eBay chant. Like you were like the original like uh, fireman Ed, you thought. You'd like, yes. oh, I got like this crowd was down. We yep. were losing. Uh-huh. Figured out a chant. And it starts slow and like three people join. Six and ten. And before you know it, the entire stadium went. And as the game went off, I was ready to hit the floor and and, and embrace what I did for the world. Yep. And then the world just said, let's bring it back down the peg and have five people crush your freaking spine. Yeah, and you're you're on point with saying like, yeah, five, six. Because it probably, in my head, I got the whole student section going. It was probably like the seven people around me and no one else. Everyone else is paying attention to the basketball game. Like, 
I wish like I don't know what happens after we die, but I wish I hope and pray that it's you just get I think I've mentioned this before. All I want is just to be able to replay my life. Not 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 live my life again, but be able like a DVD where you, there's like sneak, like I'd be able to play and pause and and go to other feature and just like watch myself in different in, like isn't that what you would want just to watch what you did or watch yourself in a situation or remember stupid things you said or great things you said or girls you were in love with and why and what like I think that would be the perfect heaven for me or purgatory or whatever you want to call it but if you're able to just like really analyze your life and slow it down and rewatch it and 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 hear the commentary and what was I thinking at the time and seeing your face from you want to be third person. You don't want to be. You don't want to see it through your eyes again. You want to see it from the outside. See what others were doing. Right. It's like a DVD. You want the director's commentary of your life. Mm-hmm. Like you want to watch your life going, and then like Quentin Tarantino is just. And then Scott started the chant, and then Scott went on to the basketball car, and then Scott broke three fingers because somebody put their Nikes into yeah. his arm. Like this whole podcast is, you know, other than the guests is about telling stories and analyzing things like um, imagine like like a story like yours where you were the toothbrush in a Christmas Mm -hmm. in in a play. Okay. Yeah. Now, but I I got the chance to start toothbrush. I mean, I know I didn't tell him the original story and it's very depressing, but that's what really happened. And I was a hero of the play. Yeah, basically, like my favorite story from the podcast. Mike was a toothbrush in a play, had to be helped off the stage, like because he couldn't get it. The entire audience was laughing that it couldn't move. The girl next to me, who was played the teeth, who was supposed to say lines, was laughing, and I had to (laughs) keep elbowing her to get through the bit. So now, now you have the special death DVD feature, and you're able to look at the audience's face. You're able to look at your parents' face. You're able to zoom in on your face. You're able to look in the the tooth girl and see what she... Like, that, to me, would be more valuable than any kind of, like, I become a spirit and go into someone else's body. No, I just want my life. I want my book, and I want be able to dissect every part of that book and just keep watching and and, and like if you get to a more emotional point, like the day my son was born, like yeah, it goes by in a flash. I'd love to see that again. The day I was born, the day you were born, like you could see your parents' faces, see where the that would be the ultimate heaven. Like you want to see your mom in the stirrups and see uh, what goes there. Thanks, Berlo. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank I'm you. Just like, you're thank like, you for you taking want my... me at your birth. I'm like, well, that means I got to look at my mom's. You know, I mean, I that... mean, you don't have to. You have control of the oh. camera. Obviously, oh, you're the creepy one that has to go look at the. the oh, where you mother. want me to point it at? No. Oh, look at that nurse. Look what she's doing. She's nursing. I'm just coming out. Like... She yelled out, she's crowning. What do you want me to see? Just, just to see, like, the nurse is smoking cigarettes while you were born, <laughs> you know, like. He's almost out. Push. I love that I'm in the middle of this existential idea, and you're like, uh-huh. you're going to look at your mom push during birth? Like, that's yeah. how you bring the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bring it back to earth. Yeah. Look at that woman. Yeah. But, but don't, you think, don't you think if you were able to replay your life, like, in that form, you'd be able to have some kind of closure on your life, like, Okay, I missed the opportunity here. I 
should have done this or why the hell did I do this? Like, wouldn't that be the ultimate way to to to, to die? I mean, it'd be it'd definitely be interesting. I I, I kind of wonder, like, how long would you be in? A, like, how long could you see your life? Like, do you want like two hours? You no, want like a I whole want, day? No, no, like weeks. Weeks, you want weeks. Well, yeah, I want to analyze all of it. Like, well, first off, it's going to take so long to fast forward. Like, if they were analyzing your life, they're just going to fast forward. They're like, how is he still talking to dogs? Does this guy do <laughs> anything else? <laughs> that That's probably what I'm going to be excited about. I'm like, I remember that Yorkshire Terrier from yeah, 86. Yeah. That was yeah. a good doggy. But like that time I caught you talking in my mirror. You know how bad I would love to to have a camera angle that was in the in the in the shower that day pointing. I wasn't at me. in the shower. Well, hold no, up. No, the camera was in the shower. Look, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's even weirder. Before I was thinking, I was bathing myself in Scott's bathroom. I opened up the curtains and saw my face, well, what and you- I said to myself. Don't mess with me. What do you want to? Ha- what do you want to happen when you die? Like you wouldn't want to like be able to view your life and slow it down and look at different things, or you're just like, yeah, an hour is good. I'll get the 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 the, uh, the highlight reel. Just yeah, come- yeah. Like I want to like like after I die, I'll be sitting in a comfy chair and there'll be a TV and I'll watch some of my life. But like I have ADHD, so I'll probably turn on the football game for a little while. No, no, no. And- you're in death. You don't have anything else. You don't have a football game to go to. You're saying I'm going to heaven. They don't have direct TV. First off, how do you know you're going to heaven? First off, hey, hey I know me. I'm going to heaven. No, no, no. Don't no, you no, don't be no, throw me no. to purgatory or yeah, any no. of that crap. And no, bros is going straight up, baby. Oh, Top only, you, only you would just be like, yeah, I'm going to heaven. That's yeah, that's I guaranteed. Guaranteed. I, I'll, I'll go to the pearly gay. I look at St. Peter. I'll be like, open. You'll dab, like, okay. You'll dab them up, give them a hum. They're like, we've been waiting for you. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right in. And then somebody's like, I've been waiting here for 20 weeks. And it's like, I don't, he's on the list. You you really think you got a free pass to heaven? I mean, I look at the body of work and I say, sure. What's the body of work? What, what, what's the, what? Okay. If they're looking at your resume as you're entering uh-huh. the pearly gates and they're like, huh, you listed this number one. What's the number one thing that's getting you into heaven? Uh, uh, probably just my demeanor and the way I help your people. Demeanor, your demeanor. Yeah. 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 They're just like, you're so cool. Come on in. I mean, that's how most of life works. You know, it's just like, that looks like a cool I, dude. I, I want him in my party. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you, how many times has that worked for you on earth? Like, your demeanor's so cool that you're just like, come on in, Mike. It's not about the earth uh, points. It's all about the heaven points. And I know I accumulated a lot. I'd like, the, when the game is over, I put in my three initials and I'm right at the top of the list. That's how so, I look at it. So you think you're sitting here now in your <clears throat> mid 40s, Dad. Uh-huh. You've already earned the credentials. You're right into heaven. First ballot oh. Hall of Famer. Absolutely. I, I want that gold jacket when I go through them pearly gates. I think this is a ridiculous point. Like, okay, you, there's a you, God willing, have a lot of life to live. Okay. Mm-hmm. You could do a lot of wrong still. And and up to this point, you think you've done no wrong? I mean, I'm, so far, if you listen to the stories, 
I don't see any flaws. So what what's going to make the next 40 some odd years be any different? Okay. Are you a, all right. All right. All right. Let's analyze this even more. Are you a, a God following man? Do you abide by the Bible? Like what if it's strict Jesus? Like if you get there and they're like, okay, did you take your penance every week? Or are you going to be like, well, I'm pretty cool. Let me in. I mean, I mean, I took a penny here and there. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, plenty of penance. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, they're like, did you confess? Did you go to church? We've been telling you, you got to go to church. Did I you- can. That my podcasts are my confessions, and they're all beautiful. So, oh, oh, so now, so now, God has the ability to just put our podcast on and just listen to your confessions. So God can make the heavens and earth, but He can't get Apple Podcasts. Is what you're telling me. My parents can't get Apple Podcasts. They have no idea where this thing exists. They're like, oh, you're doing your little podcasty thing still? I'm like, yeah, Dad, I had the guy from Creedence Clearwater, a band you grew up on. He's like, well, how do I, do I, was it a live show? I'm like, no, you can go listen to it right now. He doesn't get it. Big Wild Hank knows how to get to it. And on he's he has uh, deficiencies with technology stuff. So God is old as hell. You think he's just going to be able to be like, okay, let me go in the Apple cloud and find all your podcasts. He's on clouds already. How hard can it be to find the Apple one? All right. Well, let, let's backtrack. Okay. So what if all he's right. a super strict Jesus? You have not done any of super those. Super strict Jesus? I, I like That's like a band name. I yeah, like that's that. a great band name. Uh, you have not done any of those super strict Jesus things or anything to get you in. Yeah, I'll just be like, come on, look at me. Come on. Oh, now it's your looks. So now you go to heaven and you still have your looks. Yeah, I mean, wait, wait, wait. Your argument is fading really hard right now. It's like Star Wars. I just come in as my most beautiful look. I don't go out as the burnt up white faced Darth Vader and all. I come back as uh, Hayden Christensen, you know? Wait, 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 wait. So you die. You're able Uh to, okay. I'll be a force ghost life highlights in an hour you know uh-huh. you don't even want to watch them which is super weird it's like yeah yeah i did that then you get to change your look and you're hating christians and all you're not well, i'm Burley. saying it's a hating christian rule that i'm going to be looking my best i'm not going to be looking like just went into the ground michael burlew and all oh, i'm going to be so like all that looking. stank you put onto earth a couple of weeks ago all uh-huh. that stank is gone. You're just clean, gone. perfect. Yeah, you got. I'm you know, nice, you got young that, Mikey. You got that looking look. his way into heaven, saying, <laughs> "You got that, that long hair. Mine. You got that long hair. You got those. Remember, remember when the lion at the end of Wizard of Oz had the little bows in his hair when they? Yeah. uh Yeah. So you're all. I can take that. Yeah. yeah. You all maybe prim some and flowers. This is ridiculous that you get prep time to go into heaven too. Like you get to like really impress the big J man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's like a comedy show. Just somebody peeks in. It's like uh, two minutes. We're bringing you up. I hate your pompousness right now that you just think you go right there. Because right now I live a life where I look uh-huh. in the mirror and I'm go, I don't know if I'm getting there. Like, I'm I'm a good dad. I'm a good brother. Good, yeah. good son. But, you know, I've made some mistakes in my life. Um, you just think you get the, the free pass. You get that. That that same thing where you cut the line because of the handicapped people that let you in at the Disney thing. You don't think God's bringing that one up? I didn't make the cut. I was brought in and realized the cut. I am not of foul faith. So in your face, you don't even you don't even know what words you're saying right now. Foul faith. Yeah, yeah. Didn't do it. No foul faith. So 
So Score you're, one you're, for Perlu. Big bearded man comes out. His wife goes, oh. oh. And he's like, let me in. You're like, I have not been a foul faith father. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I do it. I got my arms out like this. And, you know, I'm looking like 20-some-year-old Michael Burlew. And all. he's like, damn, this guy knows what he's and, doing. And then he looks at your resume. In. He's like, did you almost marry a mail-order bride? Did you owe it? Did you? What are we just? She wasn't that? a mail order bride. She was a girl in Bulgaria who wanted a green card, and it didn't happen. <laughs> so I was a good person. I didn't break the rules, and one yet again, that's heaven points. So you feel like you've accumulated so many heaven points that from yeah. here on out you can't do no wrong. Yeah, I'm like I'm mathematically already in the playoffs. There's nothing I can do. Like I can send for the next four weeks. If we looked I'll, at the I'll standings, still be the number one seed. So if I'm we looked good. at the standings, there's an asterisk or whatever right by you, like clinched. Yeah, a Z. you clinched. You clinched heaven. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it's been a good start. I mean, what? How wrong can I go the rest of the way to say I'm eliminated from the playoffs? Okay. I'm the one seed. Everybody's coming to my house if they want You're to come to You're the one heaven. seed now. Yeah. You're the one seed. I declare it. I, I can't believe also that you wouldn't want to watch your life back. You would just be like, yeah, it was all right while I was there. I'll let everybody else watch it and have no, them no, smile. No, no, no. No one gets access to your life. You think other people are going into their life DVD vault and they're like, can you put on the Burlu one? Well, I mean... Maybe they'll go through some stuff. It's like, ah, oh, this is a boring. This that's like a boring decade. Put on some Burlu highlights. I want to see yeah. that. So they they're just watching you roll around with dogs. I, I see a toothbrush and, and smelling up a gym, and they think that this is their savior. That that this is what they want. I'm not declaring I'm a savior. I'm just saying I'm the one seat to heaven. Like there's still hope for all of you. I'm sure there's like. Like, it's a very large bracket that makes the playoffs of heaven. So you yeah. still got a chance to be like a 32,000 seed or something like that. I mean, that's good for you guys. But. See, I'm looking at myself like, remember when the NCAA added that little play-in game to get into the tournament? I'm yeah. there. I'm like Iona or some some weird college like on the outside. Like, yeah, there's a chance. I don't know. I mean, maybe you're in the heaven NIT brackets. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. NIT brackets would be like purgatory, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could still win it, you know. You you'd be like Michigan that that has like an off year, but still better than every other community college that goes in against them. You know, it's only fitting that our guest, his band, happens to have a biblical name. Huh. Um. Well, he'll be honored to meet me. That's the only segue I can get to our guest because yeah. I really. I'm, we I should start by telling him I'm the one seed. And I want to spit. Impressed. I want to spit in your face right now. That's what I want to do. Oh, well, you're not getting into my heaven now. <laughs> your That's heaven. A sin. Your yeah. heaven. I'm the one seed. I got. I'm sure. I, after so now, I now, win now the there's like now there's some coop things going on where you think you're getting in and taking over. Well, not taking over, but I have a like. It's like when you're a coach. And then you can be like on a panel for making the rules. That's what I figured. Like they're like, you know what? Such a solid life. Come on in. Maybe we'll rewrite the Bible. Check through the air. Tell us what to cut out or anything. I really don't like you. I really don't Scott, like you. It's dragging momentum for the rest of the year. You talk about we're going to make episodes for the rest of the year. Now, now, now we're speed bumping. What's wrong with you? 
Anyway, our guest coming to the show, which will save me for the next half hour from talking to this delusional, narcissistic lunatic. Uh, that's part of the, I think that's one of the commandments. Don't be narcissistic podcaster. That's number three. I mean, we'll look past it. No, right. Don't worry. Don't you worry. Anyway, coming on the show, very excited. Uh, uh, from the band Saving Abel, um, you might rem- remember their song "Addicted." It was a huge song for a while um, back on the back in like the early two thousands. Um, this band's been around for a long time. We have the lead singer from the band coming on. He's been in and out of the band, but has a great perspective. They got new music coming on. They have a new album coming out shortly, and they've been around for a long time. So the lead singer from Saving Abel, Mr. Jared Weeks, is joining the show. So let's get him on the line. You're a dick, by the way. I know. Hello, Jared. Hey, what's up? Hello, Jared's assistant. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. I am cute. You're right. Man, she's so sweet to me. I said set, not cute. Yeah, yeah, I I heard set too. Tell her I heard set. Come on, guys. I heard cute, so we'll have to give it to the fans. What did you hear? (laughs) Jared, thanks for uh, joining us. That's Mike. I'm Scott. Thanks for uh, taking a few minutes out of your busy schedule, man. Hello, gentlemen. Yeah, uh, I'm taking a break from being a dad right now, so it's not too bad, man. Oh, yeah? What's your... uh... What's your kid situation? Oh, I have three kids. Uh, wow. I have a 13 year old girl named Coda. Um, I have a 10 year old girl named Lenny or Lennon, but she goes by Lenny. And I have a five year old boy named Scout, and he's basically a frat bro. He just eats, <laughs> eats in his underwear and watches Blue's Clues, you know? Yeah, my son's not far off. He's he, he just turned three. So, he, but yeah, that's all he does is snack. I, and that's what I wish I could do. <laughs> well, look, why don't we start there? Actually, as far as you being a dad, um, wait, you know, and a um, you know, a successful musician, balancing that that life obviously becomes hard. And we've talked to so many musicians on here, and sometimes, you know, they say in some ways it's able to give them a lot of time at home in periods, but in other ways, there's that you know that tour time and leave time you have to go away how do you tend to balance that dad life out as far and being a musician uh well you know as far as coming off the road uh home is my safe space but it's also like a hub space for uh the whole saving able team you know so sometimes i'll have my front of house guys staying here with me uh, as long as my state as long with my, my stage manager uh, so we've always been kind of open and and versatile, you know, when it comes to living conditions and situations like that. Um, but, you know, coming off the road back home when it's just me and the family, um, I mean, how do you say it? It's like trying to decompress in a uh, in a pot of boiling water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's been all right for me, man. It, it did take me, uh, you know, a while to figure out the transition or whatnot. Uh, you know, back in the day, when, you know, after I left Saving Able, I still would go out and do uh, my own solo runs um, right. in between time periods. But same as then, you know, we homeschool our kids. So we've always kind of been versatile at, at living situations. Hmm. Well, let's go on the opposite. And as you're talking about you being a father, let's go to your family. When you were growing up, I know you came from like a Christian background. I heard in yeah. interviews that talked about you didn't listen to rock and roll until a later period of time. So I'm kind of curious 
Like, how did the family find out you're kind of getting into this? And it, was it one of those, oh, oh, it's not this. I can explain this kind of things. <laughs> no, it wasn't one of those uh oh kind of moments. And, you know, honestly, thinking about it, I think they just sort of always knew. Just <laughs> that was a little kid. I always yeah. wanted the attention, I guess, you know. But, uh, you know, growing up, uh, as far as music goes, you know, my family would have gatherings all the time. Uh, we we grew up in Mississippi, right on the Mississippi-Tennessee line. Uh, so, you know, when they would come over, my my grandmother played the piano at church. My mom uh, directed the choir. Uh, I learned how to sing harmonies at a young age, you know. But there was always some sort of instrument around. Uh, and, you know, just how, that's how I picked it up, you know, is, is through church and worship stuff uh, at, at church, you know. It is amazing how many, you know, we've talked to so many musicians over the years, how many musicians have mentioned you know, picking up music and rhythm and stuff from church, from, or from yeah. se- I, I believe when we had um, Lejean from Seven Dust on a couple months ago. Oh, I love it. I yeah, love he, it, man. He was, he was talking about something similar, being around his dad and gospel music and yeah. just learning hard. It's very interesting how many people go, you know, from that and then become these successful musicians. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, there's I- something there. It was a cool time period for me. Uh, you know, it helped me learn the G, C, D, E minor chords, you know, and, and it, you know, it's when I first started writing songs, you know, um, obviously I couldn't listen to rock and roll then, you know, just because my parents, you know, were trying to be protective uh, or whatnot, uh, which is why I think when, once I finally got the uh, Columbia house, buy one, get 10 free, <laughs> <laughs> like I yep. ended up like Everclear, Oasis, P.O.D. Oh my God. President uh, of the United States of America. <laughs> that yeah, was my it, went, it went P.O.D. I was like, it's, it's payable upon death. It, it's Christian. They're Christian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, but once I heard that stuff, uh, that rock and roll music, uh, along with, you know, I was 17 years old. I went to uh, Liberty Land in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, it was the um, Mid-South Fair or something like that. And uh, I saw Kenny Wayne Shepherd play uh, at, at 17 years old, man. Yeah. And the way he made that guitar sing, man, it was just beautiful. Uh, but that was the moment. I was just like, yep, that's what I want to do. I want to be a part of that, you know. Uh, so once I found the rock and roll, I, of course, I took off running, you know, yeah. Bye, mm. you know. <laughs> so when you look at this band, you know, I'm just looking at the, you know, the years and we're, we're coming up on 20 years of this band. Does it feel like 20 years? Like, or does it feel like it flew by? Uh, these glasses are two days old. Yes. It feels <laughs> like 20 years. <laughs> I, I just, I just went and got these. I'm, I'm trying to transition to, to living with these things now, man, but it, uh, it doesn't at times, you know, uh, people ask all the time, you know, what was it like back then? Or, or was it this venue or this state? And, and honestly, they all pretty much, they all just kind of run together and, right. and one continuous drunken memory. <laughs> I hardly even knew what day it was, you know, but just, you know, let you know that I was living it, you know, I, I was living in the moment. No. You, no. you were, oh, God, God, I was, I was just thinking, like, you talked about how, like, 23. Like you've barely never been on a plane before. And now you're taking yeah. off of this like rock band stuff. Like, was there any point where you just like, as you, you, you dealt with and later on in life, were you able to start off with, okay, I'm a professional. This is fun. We're going to do this. Or was it just like immediately, Oh my God, LA. Woo! 
burn down the, the buildings. The the latter part. Yeah. Of that. Oh, okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Option B. Uh, Option. You know, like it, you know, had I had I been who I am now, hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, I would have kept my head, you know, about me and and learned as much as I could uh, from the get go. Uh, but you know, we were we were young and, and green and naive and. You know, I was 23. I've never been on an airplane. I flew from Memphis to uh, L.A. I signed a record deal and then like anything I wanted ever right now, right here. Get it. Obviously, it didn't turn out too well, you know, with the drug problems and the drink <laughs> yeah. and all the instant gratification uh, that I ended up taking home with me. Um, but I mean, it was a really cool moment. But I mean, looking back, I would definitely focus on um, the longevity of the career. Uh, because when you're young and, and, and you're on tour with Nickelback and Shine Down and Papa Roach and Event Seven, I mean, you're just thinking, you know, it's going to be this way forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then obviously, you know, it's not. Uh, <laughs> but which, which, you know, should give people, you know, a little more respect for the those folks that have had such long careers, like like Seven does. I know. You know, mm-hmm. they, it's like unbelievable. Twenty albums out. You know, it's. It's amazing how their machine works. They basically like, yep this this is the twentieth anniversary of seasons. Nope. We're gonna do this tour. They'll go do a six week run, come back, and then on to you know animosity. Uh, I love those guys so much, man. But yeah, uh, he, he was team works so awesome. I love those guys. So so when you talk about like their, you know, you you have these these big hits early, you know. Um, millions of people listening to it, and like you said, you, there's everything at your fingertips. And then there has to become a humbling period. But I'm curious how you kind of what did that hurt you personally? Like, did it did it feel like you were running a rat race to to get to that next single? Like, I need that. I, we need that best hit, you know, that big hit. Or were you guys able to kind of yeah. like, OK, we're just going to stay together? Or was it a tough period trying to, to stay it was, up? It was I mean, it was pretty tough, man, because, you know, we. We uh, as soon as we got introduced to the to the business into the game, you know, addicted did did really well for us. Huge you know? sign, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It was just huge. Uh, and at one point, you know, it affected the strategic placement or when we were released eighteen days because we would be competing with ourselves, you know. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I just I didn't really pay attention to stuff like that. But uh, what what was you talking about again? What'd you say? Well, I was saying saying like when when that period in the band comes where you you have to try to almost chase the you know chase the dragon again, get that hit again. Like, is is that a hard period of time? Well, and that it was a hard period of time, especially like as going over into the uh, the second album, you know, uh, Miss mm-hmm. America, and we recorded that here in, in Franklin, Tennessee, at the the Sound Kitchen, uh, which is where Skid, our producer, I'm I'm still with him to this day. You know, it's a 20 year relationship. Love that guy. Uh, so going into that album, you know, like on the business side of things, one of the things that I would have changed, you know, um, uh, our management team at the time, you know, like they honestly was just, we did 268 shows in yes. one year and, and all the days <laughs> off were spent somewhere in like a Walmart parking lot. Uh, so for me, like, I thought we had like two or three months off to sit and record this album. And, you know, the, the label and the, the A&R, uh, Kim Stevens was like, yeah, we, this is awesome. We've got this time period off. Let's, let's write a hit album, you know, we're, we're kind of nervous, you know, trying to follow up with, to addicted, uh, which obviously was very racy and edgy, you know, at, at that time, you know, along with like Buck Cherry, uh, and, and right. Right. Yeah. Uh, crazy bitch and and that other you know uh but 
obviously our management, you know, as it, as it, you know, the days went on would, would end up like we would be in the studio for a week or two and then they would make us fly out and go do like five gigs in a row and then come back and, you know, another week in the studio and then fly out. And what that ended up doing, you know, it made me realize like, it's hard for me to get in and out because that's like a switch I have to cut sure. off. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice oh, to meet sweet. you. Yes. Oh, Cindy, that's my mom's name. Good to meet you. Hi, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then going back and turning uh, and that creative switch off. Yeah. Uh, mm. so there was a lot of that back and forth that that I really didn't like at all. And of course, there's always resistance sometimes between uh, management and, and record labels. Uh, but, and, but on that situation, I wish that they had listened to the record label a little more because you know, I felt like we we had a lot more to eat, to give on that album. Uh, you know, with the first single was "Sex Is Good," uh, which it, it did great, man. It did awesome. Uh, but you know, being who I am now, like looking back, I'm just like, man, were we trying too hard to follow up with "Addicted"? You know, and that was sort of the direction that they were pushing us. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean they were we were we were printing money for the label and management. I tell people all the time, like I made millions and millions of dollars for other people. For other people. <laughs> oh, of course. You know what I'm saying? Like hundred yep. percent yep. true. So there was a lot of back and forth with that. Uh the third album we did, um, bringing down the giant we did have a little bit more time which in my opinion the result of that was i think that's one of the best saving angle albums that I've, I've ever been a part of that that whole entire album was so versatile it was more radio friendly and and it was at that time we signed with entertainment one and uh basically you know they're promising us all these singles and stuff and they have one single bringing down the giant and then they take that entire album and shell yeah. <laughs> yeah wow it's like yeah. wow it's gonna be this way forever wait what no, no. <laughs> you know i of all the things that like looking back one weird thing i kind of ask you i know the band kind of struck it down but what was the stuff they were saying about you guys and hinder being a uh a rivalry was, of sorts yeah that's ain't it funny man uh, that stuff was really just started uh, by a, uh, I think it was a video DJ or a radio DJ. I can't remember. A Canadian uh, station uh, kind of started something. I don't know if they were talking about Hinder and then the MMA and then somehow Saving Abel came up and they were like, you know, <laughs> this and that. You guys should, you know, toe off in the MMA or, or whatever, you know. And uh, just just like high school stuff, you know, Debbie danced with Trisha while I was at the bathroom. So I'm telling Tom kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and then the yeah. next thing, you know, it's like, Freaking you know, another, Debbie, man, yeah, another, man, Debbie, <laughs> uh, you know, so it was one of those things. It was like a snowball effect. Uh, and, and later on, when uh, I went uh, on to take Austin's place uh, in Hinder, when I was singing for Hinder, uh, you know, I asked him about it, you know, and, and, uh, at that point, we'd already made up because we'd been out on the Nickelback run and we kind of yeah. squashed all that beef right then and there. Like Hinder brought us on their tour bus. They had a Jaeger machine with like a bong in the middle and there was like 70 shots in a circle and we buried the hatchet right then and there, you know. <laughs> so years go down the road and I'm singing for Hinder at this point and I'm asking Cody, I'm like, man, what? how did all that even start? He's like, I don't know. He's like, that DJ said this or that. He said, and basically he was having us plan out live on the air. Like, all right, so Blower can get Bartlett, but it's going to take two to get the stage right, Bartlett, because he's huge, man. I'll probably get Jason. So they're matching us up, you know, and before we know it, you know, they're having a face-off. But nothing ever came of it. Just fun, I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
I just wish both bands went up to Canada and beat up the DJ. That oh, would have been the ultimate. Canadians are too nice, right? <laughs> <laughs> so take I, us to the t- take us to the present. You know, you, you seem to have this this uh, you know outlook on the industry and yourself and a, and a humbleness to you. And you, you guys got new music out. So yeah, take so- us to where the band is now and kind of what your outlook is and, and like, how are you still managing to enjoy this, to stay creative and, and well, obviously having a couple creative projects going on lately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's one thing that, that, you know, I've learned throughout the journey though, man, is, is music is where I belong. It's where my heart is. It's what I'm good at. It's the passion that makes me feel alive. And, and I a hundred percent believe that if you're chasing your passion or if you're going after what makes you come alive, that the universe has nothing more than to want you to live that dream life. Uh, and, and as I've done that, you know, and I, when I first left saving able, like I honestly just didn't have the tools to deal with life at, at mm. that kind of reality without self-medicating, you know? Right. Uh, and I was higher drunk 24 seven, you name it. Mm. Um, so, you know, I left then I came back to Nashville, tried to get my career started, wrote with some of the biggest people in the industry. Uh, honestly, looking back, it just wasn't that time period of my life for anything to happen. Uh, I started drinking a lot, depression kicked in, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't a good time in my life, you know, uh, and, th- and this is all happening at home with my family and my kids seeing all this stuff, you know, uh, but, but as the years go by, you know, um, I ended up, uh, you know, going into this detox center. I ended up getting off alcohol and the drugs. Uh, I ended up doing this outpatient program. But all the time that I'm doing this, uh, and this was like right after COVID or right before COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to therapy this entire time. Like I'm learning how to, to those things in my life, you know, guilty, ashamed of the shadow work that I call it that you're not proud of, you know, you, you sit down with those things, you, you learn, you know, who they are, why you did them, where does it come from? And you heal with them. Uh, so I spent, you know, like a good four years, you know, learning more and more about myself and, and healing with those parts that were, you know, traumatized as a kid, you know, I even had, you know, childhood trauma. A lot of us do, you know, if, if not every one of us, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, as I started, uh, you know, becoming sober, and that's like the first thing here is like I'm sober now. I'm, I'm more present. I, I'm, I'm in the moment uh, with with a clear head, you know. And um, so as I started getting better, man, it, it just became one of those things that that more and more, you know, like I never really like I've learned that I never really loved myself. I was never really committed to myself, you know. Like through all the years that I've been living, you know, another reason I kept self medicating. Um. But when you start healing with those things, man, you sit down with them. Life just comes a little bit sweeter, man. It becomes a little bit more sweeter. I started taking care of myself more. I started loving myself more. And and honestly, I had to learn how to love myself. You know, Uh, I had all those things in my life that were just, you know, clouding up my my memory and, and, and just who I was as a person, you know. Uh, one of the songs that, that we've recently wrote on this this current album that we're writing, uh, it said, redemption came under my wings and lifted me up so I could see all the other things that made it harder for me to fly above the wreckage. But look what came from the damage. Mm. Uh, and so to me, like, that's more about what our music is about these days, because, you know, it's not about egos, blowjobs anymore. <laughs> <not> for- <laughs> you know, those were good. Those were great. Yep. Uh, but, you know, as I started loving myself more and 
and I started feeling more comfortable in my skin, you know, and, and, um, I took it on as a mission during, during COVID, you know, the stay at home orders, uh, isolation is not a really good place for addicts and, and alcoholics, you know, like myself, yeah. uh, it could be a very bad place, you know? Sure. And uh, it was one of those moments in my life. It was during the George Floyd and and the whole political pick aside or or not, whatever. It's a really weird, shitty time in America, uh, in, in my opinion. Um, you you always hear the quote, "Be the change you want to see in the world." I used to hate it when people would say that. I would mock them. Be the change you want to see in the world. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I actually took that one serious uh, at, at during that time period in my life. You know, we just moved into a house. Stay at home orders happened. Uh, it was during the George Floyd incident where I kind of made the decision to be the change that I wanted to see in the world. And in order to do that, you have to change from the very center out. Uh, and and that is the shadow work that I'm that I talk about. You know, in therapy, the things you're not proud of, the things you're ashamed of, guilty of, scared of. Uh, you you figure out why those things are there, and you heal with them. Uh, and the more and more I did that, you know, I. I it became more of a mission to me to, cause I see it at my shows, like thousands of people or 10 people. There's always one or two. You can see the look on their face that they, they forget their value in life. They forget um, how worthy they actually are, you know, mm-hmm. because we've all had those moments in our life. And uh, it became more of a mission for me to be the bridge uh, between, you know, cause I've been on both sides, you know, I've been alcoholic laying on the floor, worst part of my life. And I've had, you know, tons of money and anything that I wanted. But for me, I want to be the bridge. I want people to know that we, we can be the heroes in our own story. Cause we're the ones writing them and to not forget how valuable and how powerful we are as human beings living you know going through our our life and our journey through life how powerful being how how brilliantly powerful we are yeah and i think we just forget that sometimes and a lot of people get lost in that negative circle of habitual behaviors or or just even the perspective of of course it's a shitty day why wouldn't it be you know like we can change all that and we can get ourselves up and we can we can have the life that we desire. Now, now you, you with this perspective and this change in your life, obviously, um, and coming back to the music and, and making new music and coming back with the band. I feel like you got to feel like you've lived two different lives with the band. Like that's got to yeah. it's got to be a totally different band and feeling around making new music. It is. Uh it, what was really cool is like, you know, when we were young, like we were just, you know, balls to the wall. Like we lived it up like it was the 80s. Trust me. Uh, but but more as now coming back into it, uh, it's been really cool to see, you know, Scott Bartlett and and Jason and to see these guys kind of their face lights up because they have rediscovered like that passion that we were as young ones. You know, without all the drugs and the and the the alcohol and and all the self medicating, like now as a, as adults, which we I mean we they drink you know every now and then, but we're pretty much a sober bus, you know. Um, but to see and rediscover that stuff, you know, I'm 41. You know, when I started rediscovering it at 38, man, it it lit a fire under me, you know, and 
and that's what it's done for us. You know, it's lit a fire under us and, and uh, it's been really cool to see over the past three years. Like, I feel like my focus has been so much where it should have been, especially being sober now and present and, and the, the here and now uh, to watch these things just kind of fall in place the way that they're falling. Uh, it's almost like, you know, you manifested it right in front of your face, you know, and and it's for the right reasons, I feel like this time, you know, because I do have a message. We do have a message in our song and, and we do. Uh, we want to promote, you know, mental health and, and things like that. Issues that are actually important, you know, um, it's, it's really cool Absolutely. to get back out there and be able to do that. Like, honestly, and pure hearted, you know, it, it's yeah. all just wanting to help. No, it's super cool. Like I listened to the, um, the song uh, fire, I believe it is. Um, yeah. It, it almost sounds like a, a totally different band from 20 years ago. It's, you know, it's <laughs> different. It, it's obviously more mature. Not that yeah. the other stuff wasn't good or bad, you know, but it, it's, um, it's a different feeling around the music. It's it's more along the lines of how I've always wanted Saving Able to to sound, you know, right. like when we were young and, and we got put down the road with Avenged Sevenfold, it's like we're we're this southern like Leonard Skinner, like yeah. Yeah. Band, yeah. radio band. Yep. And it's like, I want to sound like that. Uh, but, and that was another thing that, you know, coming back and rediscovering, like and falling in love with like just who we are as, as a band, like, yeah, we toured with all those bands, but we're not a bench sevenfold. We're a Southern rock band. Mm -hmm. That's what we are. And we're good at it. So to rediscover the love that we have for the sound that we've had in, and it's sort of grown from, uh, as you said, you know, early back in the day to, to the song fire, uh, a lot of that has to do with, you know, Jason playing heavier riffs, more crunchy riffs. And, you know, Dave, our drummer, I brought him with me when he was in my solo, uh, Jared Weeks and the band Criminals. Uh, I brought him with me over here because he's a rock drummer and uh, he's really helped direct, you know, our, our sound or or at least how we've what it's involved into. Very cool. When you get through all these demons and you say we're going back on the road do you have to like is there any changes specifically as in okay i don't want to do those kind of venues yeah uh, like what is like kind of like the streamline for getting back and keeping yourself in a good spot uh well you know as life you know went on for saving abel um after i'd left you know uh, you, you basically do the best you can with what you have, you know, and, and sort of going through the lives. I mean, they kept it alive. They kept the heartbeat. But coming back and being sober and more present in, in the moment and having goals and a level of excellency that I want to wanted to operate from, because we are worth that. You know, a lot of even my own guys, I'm like, you guys forget, like we had like the most played rock song of 2009 like we have been a lot of different places and not only do 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 you guys forget your value but i'm going to be here to remind you uh which sort of you know I'm, and this is all in a motivational type way um what was the question i forgot what we were saying what was the question well it's more in a line of when you decide okay, to get yeah. back okay. out there so I mean, guidelines or so there's obviously some things you know i have to have plans of action being sober like you know what i'm saying like it's hard for me sometimes to be standing in front of people drinking you know i've gotten used to it now and i have plans of actions and, and tools that i use um so i feel more comfortable in my sobriety but yeah there's some places like over the years since i've been back we've played places where i'm just like 
no, I'm not coming back here. Like I, I remember right. one place, one festival we played. I mean, I get it. It is cool, but they were having this wet T-shirt contest type thing. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you know, we're booking the show. And I'm like, you're not doing that on stage, right? And they're like, yeah, we're doing it. And I'm like, whoa, hold yeah, on. That's yeah. a lot of equipment. Anyway, so it starts happening. And uh, it just ended up being like a porn fest. Uh, I mean, like, just some things to me. I'm just like, nah, this for me, I don't want saving able to really be associated right. uh, mm-hmm. with things like this, you know, because that's not our message or or who we are uh, these days. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's been a lot, you know, and, and of course, booking agents, <clears throat> we're always trying to do better and find bigger and better venues and better markets. So we're, we're always growing. But there's definitely uh, I mean, there's some people that I won't even let in the show because uh, of to- toxic toxicity and things like that, you know, so you've got to look after the, the, the health and mental health of the entire machine uh, as itself, you know, rather than just you know, singularity, you know, picking people out, but I, I got to protect what I love. So yes, we do. Um, basically decide where we do and don't play. I mean, honestly, there's places that I won't go back just because of the people. Yeah. Um, there's some places that, you know, like I said, where I'm like, yeah, cool. Naked girls. Yeah. I'm like, I'm 41. I'm past all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm more worried about the drums and the guitars getting yeah, wet. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, I mean, Good for you guys. Yeah. If that's you, you do you. Yes. I support the hell out of it. Um, are, I'll are, go over here and play. Are you that's why we cancel our wet t shirt contest? Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no, no, that's hey, not. I don't work. care if you have one. Yeah. Just, <laughs> so close oh, now you phone. tell us, Jared. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it's just me and Mike sitting in yeah. wet t shirts talking to each other for an hour and a half. This is going to be way more fun than I thought. <laughs> Do you do you now perform with that that Stanley Cup that you keep sipping out of? Like, is that the new? Oh, do you, do you, look, I'm not, I got a question. I got a question about those. How do those become then? Like, how do cups become like the next thing? Like, I remember we had the Yeti cup, we had the Swell bottle, we mm. had uh, now like, all I see is that Stanley the hydro. We had the guy who invented the hydro flask. To do is like the quality. Like, <laughs> it literally can keep water cold for days. Yeah. Now for me. This, I mean, this is a Stanley, but for yep. me, this isn't a Stanley. Uh, my dad had a Stanley growing up, and it was those tall yes. green ones. Green, you know? mm. yeah, like that was a Stanley to me. Uh, so I guess <laughs> this is the new thing. My, my girls, uh, my daughters are keeping me, you know, modernized. I guess, but I love uh, it. <laughs> it does work, man. Uh, you know, those hydro flasks. They can't fit in cup holders. Well, guess what? Ah, okay, that's the first mm. time I heard that. Yeah, See that? yeah. I, I was talking to my wife. I'm Look, like, I got Willie. Why? Oh, there we go, Willie on there. Uh-uh. <laughs> I was talking to my wife. Like, why? How does a cup become popular like every couple of years, and then all of a sudden just takes over the cup market? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, uh, Yeti, man. They took over the cooler business. It's like, good lord, absolutely. That's true. Good I mean, product. I have one right out here. It's, Absolutely. I, I I would have never bought it for myself. It was one of the best presents I ever got. <laughs> I that's all somebody got it for. That's even cooler, man. It's I like somebody spent $400 on yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> so you put out Fire. Um, you got, it's got an album coming out. You had this awesome Counting Stars um, collab. Oh, yeah, with Oscar will. and No Resolve. Man, that was so fun. I love those guys. Dude, that was cool. Like That, that was what, awesome. Real quick, what, what made that come together? Um... In the past years, we were doing a show at Machine Shop, and Oscar, uh, the singer uh, for No Resolve, uh, we've met passing or whatever. Um, 
I invited him to come to our show at the machine shop. And I was like, Hey, sing with us or whatever. So he got up there and we did like a nineties medley or whatnot. And uh, from that moment on, I kind of just kept the relationship going, you know, because he's fun. Like, yeah, why not? Yeah. I love cool people. Uh, and he's a really good friend now, which is something I'm really proud of, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, but, you know, so we, for about a year, you know, just back and forth, making fart jokes, texting, you know, whatever. Um, and then we're talking about releasing our new single. And I'm like just talking about it because I've sent in some of the, the Saving Able tracks before they were mastered. And he was like, cool, I like this one. You know, things like that. Giving sure. me an opinion. Uh, and then he, he comes to me and he's like, hey, um, we're releasing our next single like February 16th or whatever. And you're talking about releasing yours in March. He's like why don't we just release our first single with you? Uh, you know, why don't you come sing on it? And it'll help yours in March when you release it or whatever, sure. yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, I, I went in in one day, like I literally, uh, went in, uh, in one day we flew to, through, uh, to the planetarium. Uh, we filmed the music video and then I went in the studio the next day and about two hours, I sang the parts and <laughs> we was hanging out till 8 PM. Then I flew back to Nashville. It was so easy peasy. I love making music with my friends. Yeah, It was a cool, cool song. Uh, came out really yeah. well. I, I, I dug it. Um, so uh, fire is obviously lead leading to an album that is coming out. Tell us about that. Tell us what, uh, saving able fans are, should expect. Well, I'm pretty excited. Uh, because it, it is a whole new sound for us, you know, especially, you know, just from fire. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited because I've always wanted us to sound this way. It's been really fun writing this album. We're right in the middle of it. Uh, at the beginning of next year, we'll announce when we're going to be releasing it or whatnot. Awesome. But I know I just know you guys are going to like it. I mean, people all the time are asking me, you know, is it is it evolved? Does it sound like the radio? And it's like, I don't even know how to explain it. I just feel it. Right. Uh, I like it. it, it, yeah. it yeah. And and the message that comes with the music now, you know, like I said, less less egos and BJs and more inspiration. <laughs> That's and the title track, right? That's the name of the yeah. album. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the hidden track. Yeah. The, last song, um, the acoustic the song is, at the end, a couple tracks after. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. get a listen of 30 seconds of silence mm -hmm. before it mm -hmm. starts. Mm -hmm. you know? yep. uh, I just think it's really cool that, that, as we talked, you know, it's almost been 20 years and right. Saving Eagles fans still show up. They still sing our songs with us. They still buy the merch. They still call the radio stations and they still like make addicted. Like a, it's just been crazy to me how that song has lasted that long. Like yeah. honestly, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, right? Crazy. Uh, and we are totally grateful for that. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to show this album to them. Awesome. Uh, final question for you. A uh, little weird Wikipedia thing on Save and Able. It says, in 2011, you embarked on a tour that played Guantanamo, Detention Bay, barbecues, chili cook-offs, as well as the American military in Kuwait. Uh, with those four items, can you rank one through four? I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> Uh, the chili cook-offs, I mean, you've been to one, you've been to them all, so we'll keep those, you know, flatter. Um, Cuba... That's the, I mean, that was such a great place. And and was it Iraq or Kuwait that you said? Uh, Kuwait. Kuwait was really cool uh, as well. But I think uh, Cuba will take the, the stage on that. Because, you know, because like Americans at the time weren't even allowed to like vacation there. And um, I watched this video of Audio Slave. They were like, I think might have been, I may be wrong, but the, one of the first American bands to be invited to Cuba and play. 
and I've got the DVD of it. Like I watched it even before I got like popular and famous or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, I kind of compared it to that, you know, as, as we went over there, you know, it's like, this is something cool. You know, awesome. we get to Cuba. It was a really cool experience uh, as well. It, it's, it's like 90 miles from, from Florida. Yep. Uh, and it's like mm. a three hour flight just from the air restrictions. It was crazy. Uh, Kuwait, on the other hand, that holds a special place in my heart as well, because for the first time, you know, uh, as I was talking about, like not always being sober and, and, and things like that. Well, you had to be sober over there because, hell, I'm not going to fly somewhere with drugs. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, but it was the first time, you know, and I remember in one of the shows, I almost had to stop. Like I choked up. But it was the first time that I seen how how much it meant to folks like that, the soldiers, the men and women, for, for bands to come and do things like that, you know, because – all they really want is just to be reminded of home, just a little taste of home. Sure. The fact that mm -hmm. we come over and they're so appreciative of that and they show it. It's it's just amazing, man. And at one, that was one of the, the special moments in my life because we filmed the concert there. And um, I, I'll just, it always hold a special place with me, man. I, I'll never stop going uh, to other countries and playing for our troops, our men and women, or working with the USO. Um, it's just been one of the most amazing things in my life. I actually got to land on an aircraft carrier, like on a plane, like Top Gun shit, man. <laughs> nice. That's and I get out of the plane and people are like, I've been on this boat for four years and I've never even done that. So it's like those <laughs> those things are really special to me, man. I'm sure. Thinking. Absolutely. So there's no special chilies. Gotcha. Yeah, I was going to say. The, no, the, no special chilies. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the people of Cuba and Kuwait are like, thank God we are above the chili cook-off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, totally, totally. <laughs> I had a really good, pleasant experience in both yeah. countries. Yeah. It was it was nice. Yeah. Jared, thank you so much for your time, man. We're really looking forward to what you guys got coming up. And I really I really enjoyed uh, the interview. Really had a great time with you. Yeah, I had fun with you guys, man. Thanks for having me. I, I love talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> so does Mike. That's why I, yeah, I, hey, you know, I, I got the rest of the show, man. Scott. Don't take that from me. Yeah, but thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate that. All right, Mike. Jared Weeks. Jared Weeks from Saving Able. Um very good interview. Very good interview. Yeah. Almost got a little emotional there, but uh, there's some real talk there, and I appreciate everything, and we still had some fun with him. Yeah, ironically, we've been doing real talk, and you, you didn't even offer the guy a lifeline or be like, I know the answer, or tell him that he's getting into heaven. Also, you just sat there like the chooch that you are and didn't, didn't say a word. Well, Scott... Life has to be a mystery for some, and like I will tell you, I will tell anybody who listens to this podcast. But uh, for others, they'll when they get there, it'll be like, "Oh, a very beautiful, calming face." Thank you. Oh my god! I just realized what's going on in your life. What's going on? You have your you've been growing your hair out for the last like two years. Oh yeah, yeah. You've hmm. been talking nonstop about how great you are. Okay. You're saying your first one. You you think you're the Messiah? I mean, that seems like a lot of work. It doesn't seem like a burlu thing to do. But also, like I think you'd be the guy to get into heaven. Jesus would be like, "Come on in," and you'd be like, "My boss is just ride it." Like I'm not into this guy that much. You you wouldn't really like the place you were at. Yeah, I mean, I could see something like 
God ticks me off and I'll probably like, all right, that's it. I'm on LinkedIn. Let's see what else is out there. Let me get a temp job. That's a good question. Do you think in heaven there's a there's a heaven heaven? Like <clears throat> like if you're really great in heaven, is there a next level? Like extra level, a VIP section? Yeah, hmm. bottle service, uh, you know, heaven hose. I mean, the problem with that is what they would perceive as VIP section, it'd probably be like the dullest party up there. You know what I mean? Now, do you think, like, if you get to heaven, like, you're actually behaving or you're just, like, in this beautiful, like, existence where everything, like, are you just taking, like, Molly all day where you're just happy and everything's great? Like, are you actually making decisions in heaven? I gotta think that's part of it. I mean, part of heaven is to decide what your heaven is. I mean, right? I Am I wrong? I don't know. I also see that you're googling something in your glasses. I feel like you're looking. No, up, I'm, I'm you're looking up heaven, heaven right now. No, no, <laughs> I'm I'm getting a recording from the first half, and also you don't miss one second of my genius. I I would die if you were googling. Is there a heaven after heaven? <laughs> Please tell me. <laughs> Scotty, dual heavens. It's true. It's true. <laughs> well, since you're so heavenly, uh, all right, and you're so amazing, yeah. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm curious. I, the the other day, I was looking at. I I, I found some strange book. Um, the Book of Mormon. It, it was all about like etiquette in the 1950s. And the thirties okay. and the forties. So I was curious, just some of your thoughts on this etiquette on if maybe you agree with it or or maybe you you feel like that wouldn't get someone into heaven or or you know gotcha. just your general. You know, I wouldn't take my thoughts on this because I I'm I'm on the bubble. You on the other hand, you're you're in. Um, so maybe you could tell me if some of this etiquette should stay, um, or, or, or should it go, um, especially for, for our women friends in the audience. Um, cause you, you probably could speak on their behalf, right? Yeah. I, I feel we've given them enough time to think on their own. So, you know, might as well hand off the ball to the leader. So yeah. give them the, the proper ways to act in life, you know? All right, so let's start with like your restaurant behavior, Mike. You feel like you're a good uh, patron? I think so. I think I'm a good, uh, good restaurateur, if you will. I uh-huh. believe, believe I do well with the waiters and waitresses. Nobody has any complaints. So okay. So do you do you believe that the man always orders the food, whether he's your father, brother, boyfriend? In addition, the woman can never independently ask the waiter for anything. Are you are you okay with that? Uh I believe women should have the right, unless you're that gal who thinks on the first date they can order like the lobster when like there's like just starting a boundary. You know what I uh, mean? I uh, feel like you have to earn your right to pick your food and I'll let, I'll give you a couple chances. And if I see your little swaying a little bit, maybe getting those uh Side orders that cost an extra ten dollars. You're like, whoa, wait a minute! I thought we were just getting the chicken. I didn't know mashed potatoes was on the table. Now, what about the men in the in the fifties when these rules were invented? Are they going to heaven, or are they in heaven at this point? 
Well, they, they're not in heaven yet, but uh, as they're waiting in line, they will order for all the women in line until we figure out who gets into heaven. That That's a guarantee. So you think that just like the, the era that you're living in gets you into heaven, but all these people before you are waiting? So they peaked mm-hmm. at you, is what you're saying? Well, there's been a ton of people that's died since 1950s. God, that line's got to be humongous. I mean... You got to figure that's they got to process everything from 1950 to one to everything before that. Right. So there's no guarantees there that like when when I start shooting up, they're like, oh, finally, get, get up here. Come on. We need help. All right. So you're you're going on the assumption you're right in and you're looking at the people who are in line. Yeah. Yeah. So like you're, you're almost helping. I, I believe I could be a good helper for those waiting in line. It's going to be a long wait. So, all right. How about if you drop your knife, you must ask the waiter for a new one, unless, of course, you're a woman. In which case, you have to ask a man to ask. Don't do not under any circumstance pick it up. How do you feel about that? Um, because before uh, before the show, you said you were a big supporter of this and that you believe that, um, and you're upset that things have changed. No, no. See, here's my thing, Scott. I will never force a lady to request for me to ask them for a knife. I pick the knife off the ground. I go, turn around, and I give it back to her, and I say, don't do that again. Now now cut your food with it. You put your breath all over the knife. Yes. Yes, I feel I have a lot of cleansing uh, materials that come out of my mouth that will... Oh. disinfect the, oh, the knife. Oh, God, Mike. Just a word of you saying, just you saying I have cleansing materials that come out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. It's usually words, but my breath also works, Scott. Guys, if there's anyone out there listening, can you please, please boycott or, or say something or throw up or take a picture of you listening to the podcast as you heard Mike descend he said he puts his cleansing breath on people's knives please I mean I also do forks and spoons I mean I don't want you to just um, put me in a corner with knives you should not order fruit you don't do it Mike apparently it's embarrassing to order fruit in the 50s uh, I mean they, they got wacky names like kiwis and kumquats, and I, I they, it would just make a girl giggle, and we, we can't have that in a restaurant, Scott. So I'm I'm kind of for that. I, I believe women could only order fruits if it has, like, a number next to it. And no, it's like, I want I, the pancakes with the three option. I hope Aisa Ash tunes back in. She's like, you know what? I want to go back on the podcast and scrubs to that moment. And she hears you go, I believe that women can't order fruit. It's embarrassing. Well, I mean, I don't want the waiter to giggle and me to think, now now you brought me down a peg. Uh-huh. I mean, right. I mean, like you said, I don't want her to be talking about, I want a banana in my mouth, and everybody have the implications of what that means. It's very embarrassing, and I, I can't have that. All right, do do order celery. It can quite correctly be eaten with hands, provided that it's been cut up into reasonably small pieces beforehand. Now, are you with okay my cleansing with the breath order? on yeah. the knife? 
Mm-hmm. You can cut up your celery and chew it. This makes perfect sense. Like, there's no etiquette I have to correct here. Everything is spot on except for noting my breath on the knife. Now, when you're at a restaurant and you lick the nacho ramekin, like, is that is that acceptable because you're a Jesus man, or what is that? Well, I mean, there there's a lot in there, so right. as long as you... What happens, it's kind of like when you uh, use the blue stuff in your toilet bowl. You just spray the upper (laughs) ends, and then it goes all the way down to all the crevices. That's what happens right there. So I just do the top of the bowl, and then everything just oozes into it. And then I go, it is clean. Eat my children. Scott, you there? No, I was covering my mouth because that is like, one of the worst images I can think of you thinking your tongue swirling around the ramekin is mm-hmm. somehow sterilizing it for other people. Like a toilet bowl, which is very clean. All right. Would you tell a woman not to order fish? Apparently it's difficult to manage. Very difficult to manage. Yeah. The, those women who think they can handle salmon and yeah, the, the gratitude. I, I can't handle that. I gotta be honest with you. Like any girl who's ever can tell me what a trout tastes like, I don't want to deal with them. So, if you were going out on the date, and the girl uh-huh. was like, "You know what? I, I want to order the trout." And you're like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." This was not on your dating profile. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to leave. Uh, you can pay for yourself. Uh, I, I will I'll take my takeout. You can pay for that. Uh, I'm not going to deal with uh, Did you do the... <laughs> you there yet? Oh, I guess your camera's coming up. There you are. Can you hear me? Yep. Did you do the um, online dating at all? Like, I never got an official. Like, I've signed up, but I never took it anything serious. Like, I've had a couple chats, but nothing serious, serious. So, no, I wouldn't say I had an official online date. We, We discussed my speed dating adventure at one right. time i was just curious like what you put it because i did the online <clears> dating <throat> thing and then actually i met my wife off of that so um but what did you put in your profile like how how did you sell yourself I don't even remember because i even like were you like i'm first make... into heaven number so, one seat i'll <laughs> see you i'll just... see you at the dinner <laughs> <laughs> just a picture of me with two Fingers flying at them. Number one seed, baby. Two and finger, I just waited two for Two finger them. gun. Uh-huh. Yeah, dinner. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it, you don't remember, like, creating that profile? Nothing? I literally, I, that's why I think I never got into serious online dating, because I'm like one of those people. It's like, I don't know how to describe myself in any way <laughs> and well you know what i could agree with you there because i still don't <laughs> know how to describe you you are a special human being yeah um 
I think it was very generic, and like I said, I never took it serious or worried about like getting anything in the end. So you were like, "I'm into football, and I would put glass heads on my table. Would you like to come see them? If you got a pet, I got a voice for them. <laughs> yeah, if your pet doesn't talk to you, I can figure it out. <laughs> All right. Wipe lipstick marks from the glass before leaving. So, Mike, if you're wearing lipstick and there's a little bit of little lipstick uh, shrapnel left on the um, thing, do you agree with that? I I agree with that, but I, I more agree with why stop at the glass, have the lady be generous to the restaurant and bring all the dishes in and she washes all of them for the restaurant. Wow. Wow! So they have to when when you're done at the restaurant, they pick up pick up your silver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now they don't have to clean the knife because it disinfected it. They pick up your silverware and plates, and they just <laughs> they bring it to the dishwasher, and they're like, "Thank you, sir." See, here's the thing. Yeah, Scott, yeah. Uh-huh. I want to save money on the tip. I, I don't. Like I like to be a good tipper, but at the same time, I don't want to over tip. So the way I can cut my tip in half is like, well, I don't have to give you money for the dishwasher because my date's going to take care of that. She's got it. She's got you. Point to her during the meal. Don't worry. No worries. Yeah. Once in a while, like, you know how people go in the bar say next round's on me. Sometimes when I feel generous, I'm like, everybody's plate on my wife. <laughs> Right plates on, on me, guys. Plates on me. Go on, Izzy. Take care of it. I'm a generous man tonight. Um, do you believe certain foods require entirely different manners? So, for instance, you should never use a fork or knife with, with asparagus. Never do it, Mike. Never do it. I mean, asparagus is a tricky vegetable. It's not a fruit, so I will allow ordering it during a meal so that is fine uh, i do have certain expectations for things like um like soup i feel like there should be smaller spoons than usual like not even a regular soup spoon i want my date to get like kind of like a barbie playhouse kind of spoon that way it takes when they eat it, you know, it's slowly in the system and they fill up faster. So I don't have to worry about things like she might order fruit or, you know, or order fish. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Um, you know, cherries, however, should be put in the mouth hole and the stones carefully placed on a spoon. So if you're eating a cherry, you got to take that little pit, put it right on a spoon and just, just put it down. Uh, I don't want to waste time with the the waiters so i request that my uh, dates they spit out the pit and make sure they hit the garbage can regardless of where we're at in the restaurant i i tip the uh major d going in i want your finest table within 10 feet of the garbage can okay i um i actually do the opposite i bring my date in and i say if you're gonna have cherries you gotta chew them before we sit down so Mm. On the way in, she's got to eat the cherries and then spit them out before we sit at the table. I, I like that. So you, like, you get the reservation, but you're like, listen, have a bag of cherries ready twenty minutes before we sit down. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. On, on 
on the way to the restaurant were like, I'm like, you eating those cherries? Let's get going. Come on. Come on. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. I, 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 I like your style. I, I hope you actually count the pits and make sure she's not like pocketing some cherries where you lose out on a deal. How about spare chairs are not for you? Neither your coat, the hat, handbag, nor glove should be placed um, on the totally empty chair, serving absolutely no purpose. Instead, your coat goes on the back of your chair and the rest on your lap. You can't use that spare chair for anything else. Where am I going to put my feet up on? Mm-hmm. When I, I want to show off for this date, and the best way to show my coolness is to lean back on my chair and put my feet on the top of my spare chair. So that way she's like, dang, he's low riding. He's kind of cool in this restaurant. He's the coolest man in this restaurant. Yeah. And, and you're then all, you're all about showing off your cool. Like that's yeah. your thing. You know what? Wearing the varsity jacket while putting the feet <laughs> up on the chair. Yeah. And telling the, Hey, don't order fish. All right. If something is spilled on the table, don't clean it. Call the waiter to do it, unless, of course, you're a woman, in which case you must ask a man to call the waiter. If a woman spills all over, she should not be like, waiter, help me out. She should sit there and wait for her man to say, come clean this up. Uh, I like to take the approach of a puppy where I grab my date by the face, rub her nose in the spill, and scream, look what you did. I feel that's the best way to show I demand respect. That's a very I, like De Niro and Casino kind of move. Like, look what you did, you know, like exactly. very aggressive. Yeah. And then after it's done, like the next time we go to a restaurant, she ain't gonna spill anything. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You think she's gonna she's gonna do that after again her nose rubbed in it? No. Well, vice versa. If the waiter spills something on you, don't react because it's a humili- uh, uh, humiliating for them. And you wouldn't want to make them feel bad for spilling scalding soup on your favorite outfit. Well, I just do the same thing. And uh, like if he spills something on my shirt, I grab the girl, shove her into my shirt and say, look what you made the waiter do and rub her nose in it. Yeah. And then you get the waiter in on like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did that. Yeah. 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 Women can be very distracting. So you got to put them in their spot. Um, You would probably agree with this. Cheese should never be eaten with a fork. You must always cut off a small piece and place it carefully onto a piece of bread with a constant emphasis on the small. Hmm. I I do dig that. Um, I I feel nowadays these children don't understand the need to not use their hands with cheese. Uh, I think we, with all the MTVs and the, the cellular phones, I think we got away from the good spirits of using a proper size bit of bread with our cheese, Scott. Right. Well, then I know you're in favor of this. You got to wear a bra, but surprisingly, only on the condition that you need one. So explain that one, Mike. You're, you're good at this. Well, you see, um, it, it, it basically depends on the size because some of them, like, it's like, all right, we know what's not there. Don't need to use up any kind of cloth right there. Also, some of them are so fine that you'd like let those things hang. I mean, that's like when I set up the first day, I'm like, show me a picture of your chest. And I say, okay, <laughs> those are nice. You know what? Don't wear a bra. That, that's how first dates roll with me. 
Right. Right. Plus, you know, like it's a it's a great show when she goes washes the dishes of some to get a little wet. It's like, oh, a little show for the, the chefs in the back. They they appreciate that as well. A little little guy a little tip for the uh the the cooks. Exactly. You know, yeah. I like to give to the entire restaurant when I show up. Um, how about the woman leaves the restaurant first? She just has to trust that the man is following behind her. You you're in favor of that, right? Oh yeah. And I never I never leave. I, I usually stay there for a good three, four hours. So <laughs> they don't have a ride and uh I, I demand to have their phone, so they will wait for me outside no, no matter how long it takes. <laughs> it, it's like the heaven line. It's like, babe. When you die one day, I'd love you. You're going to have to wait in a big line. I'm going to go straight to heaven, but you got to get used to waiting for me, okay? Yeah. Well, I'm glad Mike outlined this for you guys. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's always nice to have, like, an expert, someone that you look up to, to explain these things to, you know, the peons, if you will, the people who are lower, the people who don't really get you know, general society or, or anything. So that's why we have Mike to to bring the level of listener up. That's why we always brought him in. You know, back when I was doing it by myself, I was like, I don't have like a classy clientele. And Mike yeah. was like, look, I can help you with that. I bring the listeners up from the ground. I, I take these peons, these disgusting women, uh, these losers and I, I bring them up into our level where they could understand the podcast as long as a man is watching them while they listen to it. And again, and that's from the number one seat. Keep that in mind. The number one seat. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, I, uh, guys, I'm sorry. Uh, anything to promote today, Mike? Well, other than me, Scott, is that <laughs> what you're asking? Um, since I'll be going there next week, Vintage Pizza, one of my favorite pizzerias down here in Georgia. Uh, they have locations in Chambly, Dunwoody, and Milton, Georgia. Uh, these gentlemen know how to make proper Italian food. They literally bring water down from New Jersey. They cook their pizzas. Literally, New York they style. They cook their pizzas? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. It's a concept. But they cook it the proper way. Uh, I literally, my father-in-law, when he comes down, it's the first place he wants to go. He literally says it's the best chicken parm he ever has. And he lives in New Jersey. I am going there next week. Uh, I'll kind of tell you about the show we're going to. That'll be a topic for next week. But uh, if you want really good pizza down in Georgia, Vintage Pizzeria. Now, I assume when you go there with your father-in-law, you guys will sit down. Uh-huh. Uh, the girls would go maybe take any dishes from the other tables, clean them up. You'll have a exactly. nice conversation, a scotch and a cigar. Um, yeah. It's delicious them, marinara. They can lick it off the plates as they bring it into the kitchen. Let them sit. And then if Izzy yeah. orders fruit cocktail, the whole dinner is just uh, it, it's upside down. Uh, I, I, like her father just faints. And I'm like, I apologize. I don't know why you made a person so... So not coof, if you will. Coof is that is that a word? Coof. Think so. <laughs> I feel like a man of your stature would know words, but 
you know, I digress. I digress. I'm sure it's something somewhere, but go on. What do you have to promote? I will promote. Uh, we've had two of the members of the band on Coheed and Cambria, one of my favorite bands in the entire world. Um, a lot of their a lot of their albums are based off a of comic he's writing, and he finally released uh, the Army Amory Wars. Amory Wars, No World Tomorrow Special Edition is there, and um, he's basically looking for donations, and he will keep revealing like different tiers and whatnot. But if you're a Coheed fan, they've been waiting for like 15 years for this comic book to come out, and it's finally coming out. The Amory Wars 20th anniversary. Uh, go check them out. Coheed and Cambria. We had Travis and we had Josh on. Uh, great guys. So please go support that band. Well, anyway, guys, um, after this week, we're getting canceled. So this is probably huh? this is probably it. Uh, Mike Oh, we had so much momentum going into the Christmas episode. Mike, anything to anything to say before you um, you have your last um, couple words on the airwaves? You know what? I've I've said all I can say. I know it's all good. You know, like I said, everyone, when you come up to the pearly gates, I'll walk you in. I'll tell you everything about it, and I'll, you'll see my picture hung up on the on the walls of heaven there's a lot of walls in heaven and i'll my picture be on there and say number one seed so uh why i look forward so, to y'all in the afterlife why are there so many walls in heaven that's very strange but, that was uh, the first when i came here i said there's no walls god we gotta change that <laughs> yeah yeah um anyway guys i i don't want to talk to mike anymore life is funny laugh at it keep the wind at your back see you next week keep fish out of your mouths ladies mm-hmm.